0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you, thank you. Lauren, you get whatever you want for lunch now because you told them to clap for me. I'm just kidding. Well, I am so excited to be able to come this morning and speak to you guys. I don't get to do this very often on Sunday mornings, just about every Wednesday night. Um, I get to take this stage to talk to an incredible group of middle schoolers and high schoolers that I love to be able to do. And so I'm familiar with this stage, but I'm not super familiar with being able to speak on Sunday mornings to you guys because I do it maybe once every other month. Um, it's been a while though, so I'm super excited to be able to do it this morning. I always love the opportunities that I get. Um, thanks to Pastor Jeremy's not listening because he's not in the room, but I know he will on the podcast this week. Um, but I love every chance he gives me, and I never want to take it for granted that he allows me to come and to share my heart and to share with you guys. He and his wife Corey, this morning, are in Monroe, Louisiana. If you're like me, you're like Duck Dynasty as soon as you hear Monroe. Um, and so, no, he's not hanging out with them this week, although he did tell me he saw Willie in the airport, which is super, super cool. Um, but he's there this weekend. he and his wife, Corey, are there speaking at a marriage conference all weekend. They love marriage. Um, They believe in marriage, they believe in families, and so they're in Louisiana all weekend speaking at a marriage conference out there, doing an incredible job um, lifting up marriages and and spouses and just spending time investing in people It's what they do so well. Um, You heard a minute ago that we're doing couple to couple in March. Um, It's because, again, they just love investing in marriage. And so you want to make sure that you and your spouse sign up. If you're in a serious dating relationship, if you're engaged, make plans to be a couple-to-couple. You do not want to miss out. It is so much So much fun, but I love it. I'm so thankful to be here this morning continuing our How to Win. Our relationship series It's going to be a great day. It's raining outside, but it's dry in here, except for back in that back room. We've got a bad leak in the ceiling, but you're fine. It's dry in this room, right? Everything's good. But today, I'm so excited to be with you. My wife, Lauren, and I, she was up here doing announcements a second ago. We've been married, and May will be three months Or not three months, three years. (laughs) Three months from now, in three months, it will be three years, something like that. We've been married for three years this coming May. But when we first got married, I don't know if it was like this for you, but for us, it was like this. When we first got married, maybe like the first couple of months, first year even, we apologized for everything. Like, if we did anything, like, if I didn't fold the socks right, like, I'm like, I'm so sorry because I didn't want to do anything wrong. And you're kind of walking on eggshells and you're trying to figure out how to live with someone else. And bless her heart, she's trying to figure out how to live with a nasty guy. Like, guys, let's be honest for a second. We're just kind of gross and we smell all the time. And it's, and poor girls, they got to, like, marry us and then live with us and put up with us, not putting anything away in the bedroom. Like, it's just, we're gross. And so she's trying to figure that out. And we're trying to figure out how to do life together. And so we just kind of apologized for everything. If I forgot to move the laundry, like, I was like, she's going to hate me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The clothes, I got to rewash them because now they stink again. And so we just kind of played this, like, apology game. For the first year of marriage apologizing for the most random crazy things that nobody should apologize for but because we were so newlywed trying to figure out how to do life together we just kept apologizing and kept apologizing and kept apologizing well finally like a year and a half ago maybe a little longer than that even I finally decided I'm with her I'm like look We've got to stop apologizing for everything because then when something really happens that we really need to apologize for, it doesn't feel as genuine when we apologize at the same level for forgetting to fold the socks as I wrecked and totaled the car, right? We've never done that. That's a poor example. But you understand what I'm saying. We apologize for the really extreme, like we got into a yelling match arguing about something as... I didn't move the laundry, but they got the exact same level of apology. And I'm like, we've got to stop this because I don't know what's a real issue. And I don't know what's not a real issue. And we've gotten much better at it. Like yesterday we went and we like kind of just got bored. And so we went to two different malls and walked around for hours yesterday because we had nothing to do. And we kind of laughed about like a couple of things that we apologized for. And just talking, even this morning, driving in, I talked to her about what I was going to talk about Today, and again, we kind of laughed about all of the dumb things that we apologized for in early in our marriage, but today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're not going to really talk about the apologizing side of it, but we're really going to talk about having a heart of being able to forgive someone. I believe fully, and I don't have any stats to back this up, so if you say that's completely inaccurate, that's fine. This is just my opinion but I believe that forgiveness is the hardest free thing that you, can for, that you can give anyone. I'm going to say that again. Forgiveness is the hardest free thing that you can give someone. It doesn't cost you any money. It's free. But for some reason, we struggle as a society, as a culture, as a people, to forgive. And today, I want to spend the next little while talking to you about the idea forgiveness. We're going to kind of break this up into three groups that we're going to talk about. Pastor Jeremy said it last week, and I'm going to kind of reiterate it. This week. This series is a little more self-help than you're gonna hear most times here at Cant Church next month. We spent some time this past week talking about what a series that we're gonna do in March. It's gonna be incredible and it's gonna be super scriptural based and not as self-help, but this is a kind of a self-help series. So there's gonna be a lot of points. So if you take notes or if you wanna take notes, I encourage you to take notes today because there's a bunch of different points. As Matthew Bear can attest, because he had to build my PowerPoint for me. So I'm so sorry, buddy. I love you. But today I want to talk about the three best I forgive you's of your life. The first best I forgive you of your life is that you must be able to forgive others. There's a story found in Genesis of a man named Joseph. The story kind of starts out when Joseph was a boy and Joseph had two dreams. I'm going to kind of quickly tell you the backstory. He had two dreams that kind of the culmination of both of those dreams were his brothers were going to some point in their life. All of his brothers were older than him. His brothers were at some point in his life going to bow down and worship him. Well, if you've got younger siblings, you know how mad that's going to make you. And so he's got these older brothers that say, hey, I don't appreciate you telling me, youngest sibling, that someday I'm literally going to get on my knees and I'm literally going to bow down to you. But that's what he's telling them. And so this all happens. And then one day their father sends Joseph out to meet the rest of his brothers who are out taking care of things out in the fields. And so he goes out there and as his brothers see him coming, they said, hey, I'm tired of Joseph. Let's kill him. Like, that's an awful response to this. But they say, let's kill him. Well, they're about to kill him, and then they see some people off in the distance. And they say, hey, we kind of have two options here. We can either kill Joseph, or we could make a little bit of side money, and we can sell him into slavery. And so, like any terrible brother would do, they sold their brother. And so he's now in slavery, going to Egypt. And if you know the story at all, you know he's kind of got some up and down roller coaster things that take place while he's in slavery in Egypt. Things are going really well. He gets, grows and grows and grows in leadership. And he's working in a man named Potiphar's house. And then some things happen with Potiphar's wife. And ends, Joseph ends up in prison. And again, like up, uh, things are good. Things are okay. I'm still a slave, but things are okay. Now I'm in jail sitting here for a couple of years. And all of this keeps going on back and forth. And Joseph's sitting in jail. And if he's anything like me, he's got to be sitting there just kind of festering on, I can't believe my brothers did this to me. That's put me in this position. And so he's in jail. And then again, if you know the story, and if you don't, you can go read all of it in the latter parts of the book of Genesis. But he's sitting in jail and he's there There's these two guys. They have dreams. He interprets the dreams. Then one of the guys gets killed. The other guy goes back, and he becomes the cupbearer again for Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh, a little while later, he has a dream, and the cupbearer's like, I know a guy who's sitting in jail that can interpret the dream. He gets out of jail, comes, tells Pharaoh, hey, there's going to be seven really good years where the harvest is going to be plentiful. We need to plant a lot of crops. They're going to grow. They're going to produce a lot. It's going to be great because that's going to follow by seven years A famine. Nothing is going to grow. So we need to stockpile for seven years so that we can survive those seven years. And because of this, Pharaoh's like, this guy's awesome. Pharaoh makes Joseph second in command of all of Egypt. He's a powerful guy now. And so he goes from boy who tells his brothers he has these dreams where his brothers are going to bow down to him to being sold by his brothers, which is actually better than being murdered by his brothers, to working for Potiphar, to in prison, to now second most powerful man in all of Egypt, working directly for Pharaoh, he's sitting in a pretty good spot now. That's where our story picks up. He's sitting here. They're a couple of years into this famine. People have to come to Pharaoh, again, making Pharaoh more and more wealthy, to purchase grains and crops and food from Pharaoh to be able to continue to survive. And one day, probably no different than any other day, Joseph's sitting there overseeing things, and a group of guys walks in the back. And he looks at them. Man, they look kind of familiar. Looks at them again. I think I know those guys. It's his brothers. They've come because they're affected by the famine, like everybody else had to come and buy food from Pharaoh. And they walk in and he sees them. I can't imagine what that first thought must have been like. Like again, Joseph and you are probably way better people than me, but buried deep down in somewhere, I would probably have a little bit of hatred for the guys that contemplated murdering me, but decided to do the better thing and sell me as a slave. I've got to be a little angry at them. But today I want to look at four things that we can take from this story on how to forgive others. And the first of those is that we must recognize that no one is perfect. Joseph, while he's sitting in prison, he had to have thought about his brothers. He had to have thought about what they've done. He had to have thought about how they treated him. But I love what Ecclesiastes verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 20 says. It says, not a single person on earth is always good And never sins. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's never messed up. And if we're truly going to forgive someone, as Joseph truly forgave his brothers sitting there that day, he had to have thought to himself, they messed up. They blew it. They've got to know they messed up. But the first step in order to forgive anyone is that we must recognize that no one is perfect. Joseph's brothers weren't perfect. Joseph wasn't perfect. I'm sure there's things that he had done even while that time of in jail or working for Pharaoh or working for for Potiphar, any of those type situations. There had to have been things in his life that he said, man, I really messed up there. But no one is perfect. That's the first thing we must realize in order to forgive others. The second thing that we must do in order to forgive others is we must relinquish our rights to get even. As the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, sitting there that day, his brothers walk in, he sees them, he recognizes them. He had many options. Hey, guards, kill those guys. Hey, guards, make those guys my slaves forever. Hey, guards, throw those guys in prison and let them rot away for the rest of their lives. Hey, send them away without food hey, charge them three times the asking price, right? He could have done any of that. He had power. They sold me. I'll show them, right? We do that, don't we? It's the revenge. Every Georgia fan in the room wants to play Alabama next year, right? You do. You know you do, Every Falcons fan wanted to make it to the Super Bowl, not just to make it to the Super Bowl, but they wanted to face the Patriots again for revenge, right? Now, I know that's a little different because it's sports, but in our lives, or I'll just say in my life, we kind of like revenge sometimes if we're totally honest. We like to get even, and here Joseph had every right, every ability, every power To completely get even with his brothers, but Romans 12, verse 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Joseph didn't get even, he didn't get revenge, he gave his brothers food. And not only did he give them food, he had someone slip their money back into their bag. So when they left, they got out of town and they realized when they got back home that their money was there. And then if you read the story, it's kind of funny, they thought like, oh my gosh, he's going to kill us now. This guy's going to kill us because he thinks we stole this and kept our money. But the second thing is that we must relinquish our right to get even in order to forgive others. The third thing that we must do is we must respond to the evil with good. What, bro- what Joseph's brothers did was nothing short of evil. They took him. They sold a boy into slavery. And then they took, if you went to Sunday school and you had the, the felt board like I did when I was a kid at Sunday school, you had the Joseph in the coat of many colors. They took the coat They cut it up, and they killed a ram, and they poured the blood onto the coat, and they took it back to their father and said, hey, we found this. Something happened to Joseph. It's evil. There's nothing short of evil about this. It's completely evil. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love keeps absolutely no record of wrong. If you really love someone, the wrong goes away. And Joseph here in this moment, instead of responding to evil with evil, he said, give them food. I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to show them mercy. I'm just going to show them grace. I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to keep loving them. They come back. What Joseph does is he sends them away, but he makes them bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, back to see Joseph. But he sends them away with love. That takes us to the fourth thing that we must do in order to forgive others is that we must refocus on God's plan for our lives. So they go away, they bring Benjamin back, and Joseph's now here with all of his brothers and he can't take it anymore. Up to this point, his brothers didn't recognize him. They probably didn't assume that the kid they sold into slavery would be the guy that controls whether or not they get food or not. And so he's sitting here and he can't take it anymore, and he breaks down, and he starts crying, and he tells them, it's me, it's your brother Joseph. And this is what he says in Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 8. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to persevere, Or to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. But it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all of Egypt." He's sitting here with his brothers, starts crying. Guys, it's me, it's Joseph, your brother, the one you sold into slavery, the one you didn't do right. I don't hate you. Listen, don't even hate yourself. Don't even blame yourself. Like everything's great and amazing because you what you did actually falls right into the will of God for my life because God was able to send me here through your actions to save you. I came, I interpreted the dream. We stocked up enough food. So now you can eat it was all in the will of God, guys. Don't be mad. Don't be upset. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's wonderful. God saved you through me coming here. When I look back at my life and different times in my life that I've had things happen, when I finally get to a place of forgiveness, I can kind of see this moment of like, that's why it has happened. God allowed me to learn this. And so many times through my life when I finally got into a place of forgiveness and I see how God has used it, someone will walk up to me, whether it's a middle school or a high school or on a Wednesday night, and say, hey, this is going on in my life. I don't know what to do because I've kind of walked these four steps. I'm able to say, hey, you know what? I've been there. I've experienced that. Doesn't always work that way. I haven't gone through everything that a student might be going through or someone in my life group's going through. But so many times, the things in my life that I've experienced, I've experienced so that then I can turn around and help someone else. But once I get to a place of forgiveness. So, those four steps to forgive others it's recognize that no one is perfect, it's relinquishing your right to get even. It's respond to the evil with good, and it's refocusing on God's plan for your life. When you look at your life and you look at the people that you need to forgive in your life, the people that have hurt you, that have done you wrong, that have lied to you or lied about you, that have walked out on you and have abandoned you, what do you need to do in order to forgive them? I think first you've got to recognize they're not perfect. They mess up. And it's unfortunately the case that 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 mess up involved you on the receiving end of it. You got to relinquish your right to get even. It's not your place. You just got to forgive. You got to respond to evil with good. They may have hurt you in some of the worst ways possible, but you just got to love them. Just got to love them through it. And then you got to refocus on God's plan for your life. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What can I learn through this? I think in order to forgive others, you gotta walk those four steps. You gotta figure out what's going on, and then you gotta just refocus on God. The second best I forgive you of your life is that you must be able to forgive yourself. For the first one was you gotta be able to forgive others, the second one is you gotta be able to forgive yourself. Maybe you've made some mistakes as a teen or a young adult. Maybe you have some things on your record that are keeping you from a job that you want. Maybe you gave up a child. Maybe you cheated on your spouse. Maybe you gave up on your marriage and walked out. Maybe you got angry at your kids and you said some very hateful words that you don't even know if they remember, but they haunt you every single night. Again, I have absolutely nothing to base this on, other than personal experiences and conversation, but I believe that the hardest person to forgive is the person in the mirror. I can forgive others so easy. It's easy. Um, God calls me to love you, and if I'm going to love you, that means i got to forgive you. But man, is it hard to forgive ourselves sometimes. I can hold on to that mistake I made for so long because nobody's got to know, Right? If I can't forgive you, that means I'm mad when you walk in and people can see it. But if I'm mad at myself, I can hold that in, right? Nobody's got to know. So, how do we forgive ourselves? I did some research on this and I found these two things that I think the first thing that we must do in order to forgive ourselves is that we have to recognize the problem, we've got to do some soul searching we got to really figure out what is it that I can't forgive. And you got to dig deep. Maybe you have a conversation with your spouse about it. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I think this is what's going on. I think this is why I can't forgive myself. But I've got to figure out, is that really the base issue? What's at the bottom of that totem pole? What's at the very core of the issue that I can't forgive? Maybe you go see a counselor. You talk to somebody. You find somebody that you can trust that knows you or that has professional ability to help you and you say, I am bitter and angry at myself and I got to figure out why. The first and most important thing you got to figure out in order to forgive yourself is what do you have to forgive? Because sometimes, church, I think we can walk through life knowing that we're mad at ourselves and assuming we know why. But maybe you need to take a little spiritual retreat and spend 24 hours in solitude or something, and really dig deep into what is the issue. First thing is we got to recognize the problem. The second thing that we've got to do is we got to confess freedom and choose to receive it. Confess the sin or issue that we can't forgive ourselves for to God. And here's the hard part. We've got to receive it in a totally different conversation about a totally different topic in a different context, this past Wednesday night, talking to our Student Life students, I talked about how our words can be cheap. Like, talk's easy. You know, when I was growing up, I heard the word, the saying, like, talk's cheap. It's easy to say I'm going to do something. It's really easy to say this year I'm going to lose this many pounds. Right? do it, right? <laughs> like, we say at the beginning of the year, I'm going to do these 95 different New Year's resolutions Let's just talk, prove it, take action, do it. And I think so many times in our lives, we can say, yeah, I forgive myself, it's fine. But guy one over here named Trevor says, I forgive Trevor, but the real question is, is the guy two, Trevor on this side say, yeah, I received that forgiveness. It's the same guy, I can say it all day long. I can tell you, I can tell myself, I can tell God, I forgive me but I have to actually receive it. When Satan tries to replay that mistake over and over again in our head, we've got to stand with confidence of knowing that God has taken that away and that you are no longer in bondage to that past mistake. You've made mistakes. you got to root it out. Dig deep. Find what the core root of the issue is and then confess freedom of it And then actually receive it. And walk away from it. Past mistakes are meant to guide you. They're not meant to define you. They're going to be a part of your story. And they need to be. It's who you are. It's how you've gotten where you are. But it needs to guide you. But it doesn't need to define who you currently are today. It's in the past. you got to leave it there. You can't hold it over your head forever. You can't live with it saying, I'm this messed up, broken person for your entire life because of a past mistake. So the first best, I forgive you of your life is that you must forgive others. The second best, I forgive you of your life is that you gotta be able to forgive yourself. But the third and most important is that you must be able to accept forgiveness of God. Psalms chapter 103, verses 8 and 12. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. I'll say this just for me. But I don't know that I would have ever been able to forgive anyone. Or I don't know that I would have ever been able to forgive myself had I not been first forgiven by God. Because see what happens when I'm forgiven by God is God extends grace to me. And he gives me grace for the mistakes that I've made. And I don't know that I can extend grace towards anyone if I haven't first receiving, received grace. Because I've got to have grace to give grace. And so before I feel like I can ever forgive anyone for any mistake that they've made towards me, I've got to have grace. I've got to say, God, I'm sorry God, I need you in my life. I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. God, I need grace. I need you in my life. I need you to be the God of my life. Before I can ever forgive myself for a mistake that I've made, God, I need your grace. God, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I need you to to come and to fill me. Because God, I've got to be able to forgive myself. And without being able to forgive myself, I've got to be able to have grace to give me from you. Three best I forgive you's of your life. Forgive others. Don't hold a grudge against somebody. Forgive yourself. You've messed up. I've messed up. We've all done it. We've all blown it. But the things that you've done in your life that you just can't seem to get out of your head, you've got to forgive yourself for it and choose to receive it. But I think before you can do any of those things, you first have to receive grace from God. Ask Him to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life, forgive you of your sins, and fill you with grace. you'll be able to say you know what that mistake that that person made towards me it pales in comparison to what God's forgiven me for Those three things my question today for you church is which of those do you need to do today which I forgive you do you need for your life today Maybe you've never asked God into your life, and so step one for you is to say, God, I need you. I need you to come be the Lord and Savior of my life. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need praise because the Lord knows I've got people I need to extend it to. Maybe the today is the day that you say, God, I need you in my life. Maybe today is the day that you say, I'm no longer going to hate myself for the past mistakes that I've made. I'm going to forgive me today. I'm going to walk out of here feeling a feeling 1,000 pounds lighter because I'm not carrying the load of that burden on my back anymore of what I did 20 years ago or what I did last fall. It's gone. It's a part of my story. It's helped shape and mold me into the man or the woman of God that I am today, but it doesn't define who I am today. So maybe today is the day that you finally say, I forgive me. God, I receive your grace and I extend your grace to myself. Or maybe today's the day that that person that hurt you, that walked out on you, that spouse that left you, that dad that doesn't talk to you, that son that abandoned the family, whatever it might be for your situation, maybe today's the day that you just say, I forgive you. And here's the really, really hard part about forgiving someone else. So often we can be stuck on the idea that in order for me to forgive someone, they first must come and ask for a forgiveness. Before I can forgive them, they got to apologize to me. No. Here's the harsh reality they may never come and say, I'm sorry. I wish it was different. I wish I could sit here today and tell you, hey, every person that's ever done you wrong, at some point they're gonna come up to you and they're gonna say, I'm really sorry about that time that I hurt you. They may not. But you know what you can do for you today? You know what you can do for them today? You know what you can do for God today? The person that hurt me? God, I need grace because I gotta extend it to them. God, I may never talk to them again. God, I may never see them again. God, I forgive them. They hurt me. They hurt me bad. God, I forgive them. God, you call me to love everyone. So God, I just, I love them. God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. Recognizing that nobody's perfect. Recognizing and saying that vengeance isn't yours just saying, God, give me grace so that I can extend it to others. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, maybe you're sitting in the room and you're saying, I've never, I've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. I've never received that grace that Pastor Trevor talks about today. God, I need grace because I need to be able to extend grace. But first, today, I got to get right with you. And I need you to be the Lord and Savior in my life. If that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand. You can put it right back down. Maybe today you're sitting in the room saying, God, you've given me grace, but I don't know that I've been the best at extending it. So maybe you're sitting here today and you need to just say, you know, either to myself, Or maybe to someone else, I need to extend a grace. I need to forgive. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. Hands all over the room, you can put it right back down. I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, if you lifted your hand or if if you didn't lift your hand, but you feel like God's doing something in you, I just want you to pray for that grace. Pray for that forgiveness. Pray that God would soften your heart. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the people in this room that are entering into a relationship with you, Jesus. God, I pray that they would make you the Lord and Savior of their life, that they would ask you to forgive them of their sins and that they would walk with you daily for the rest of their life, God. God, I pray for the people that are here that need to extend grace to others. God, they have people that have done them wrong. They have people that have hurt them in many ways, in serious ways. God, they may hold bitterness, they may hold resentment towards that person, but God, I pray that today, sitting in this room, their mentality changes, their heart changes. They recognize that they're an imperfect person who's living in a broken world, and they, manage, and they might just need Jesus. And so, God, I just pray that you would allow them to just ultimately say, I forgive that person for what they've done towards me. God, I pray that they wouldn't hold that bitterness or resentment any longer. They would just say, I forgive you. And God, I extend grace towards them. And God, for the person that's sitting in the room that's held on to hatred towards themselves, that they're just hurt and they're broken because of what they've done. God, I pray that they first off know that there is nothing that they could do that could take them too far from you still loving them. God, the person that's in this room right now that feels unlovable by you because of their past mistakes, and they don't know how that they, they they don't know how you could love them when they don't feel like they can love themselves. God, let them know that you love them. God, let them know that you forgive them. God, you've extended grace. You've extended love. You've extended your son dying on this earth for them. And that, God, you want them to forgive themselves today, to love themselves like you've created us to. God, we love you, and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at CantonChurch.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CantonChurchGA.